Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Second and goal from the Western Carolina 7. Big handoff and a slant pattern caught touchdown. It is Jaden Hazelwood. Oklahoma and Nebraska coming your way Saturday morning at 11 a.m. kickoff here in the central plains of the United States of America. The Sooners 2-0 on the season. Nebraska come into Norman with a 2-1-1 record after falling in their season opener to Illinois. The Cornhuskers have won two straight. Now, here's uh, it's going to be an offense versus defense matchup, in, in my opinion, when we talk about this game. And really, it's going to be Oklahoma's offense versus the Nebraska defense because Nebraska is going to have to find a way to limit the Sooners and what they do. Oklahoma comes into this game number two in the FBS with an average of 58 points per game. Now, the flip side of that is who, who, which game means more? I mean, which, which game means more to Oklahoma? Which game, you know, is in Nebraska? I mean, who, who wants this more? Oklahoma's got a playoff spot on the line, Big 12 championship uh, coming the following week with West Virginia, Nebraska. Scott Frost has got his job on the line. So there's a lot here. There's a lot to digest. There's a lot to break down. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld flying solo from part of this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. We are going to be joined by the one and only Chris Plank here in just a little bit. And Plank is going to give us his thoughts on the Oklahoma Nebraska game as he fills in and does the true or false segment of the podcast. Now, everybody knows Nebraska lost their season opener to Illinois. Um, Everybody knows that Scott Frost is on the hot seat. So when you come into this game, you want to look at a couple of trends. First of all, you look at who's the better team. I I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think you're going to find anybody questioning that Oklahoma is the better team here. So when you have a clear-cut better team, then the second question you ask yourself is, how much fight does the underdog have in them? And I think that's where this game hinges right here. How much fight does Nebraska have in it? If Oklahoma jumps out to an early lead, does this Nebraska team fold up? Because their last two opponents have been equivalent to what Oklahoma's first two opponents were. The Huskers have won pretty handedly over the likes of Buffalo and and so forth. But what about Illinois? When Illinois stood up and kind of punched back with a backup quarterback against this Nebraska team, you saw them begin to cave just a little bit. Nebraska's one and nine as an underdog on the road. I'm not talking about covering the spread. I'm talking about winning the game straight up. Nebraska's one and nine on the road as an underdog with Scott Frost. How much fight does this team have in them? And if you're Oklahoma, you look at the flip side of that is, did they finally get the message against Western Carolina? 
did they finally get the message that you got to stay focused? You got to stay engaged. You got to keep your foot on the gas. A lot of people say that's Lincoln Riley's fault. A lot of people want to go back and say, well, Lincoln Riley just, he doesn't put teams away. And maybe that's partially true. But I think the other thing that we saw last week is that, um, well, I guess two weeks ago in the season opener, well, you got guys who are on the starting uh, starting units kind of taking themselves out of the game. You've got guys who are ripping their tape off and calling it a night. That's not coaching. That that is that's the perception of the players of number one, the ability to pull themselves out of a game, but also number two where they were mentally, where their focus was. Now, all that seemed to be corrected against Western Carolina. But really, now you're going to have to see it come into play against a Nebraska team that, I'm just going to say it, they're, they're dangerous. Are, are they dangerous enough to they, that Oklahoma needs to be aware of an upset possibility? Well, here's the question I need to ask you on that. Here's the answer to that is this Nebraska team better than Tulane? Because Tulane definitely had Oklahoma on upset alert. I personally don't think that they are on the same level as Tulane. I know what I'm saying. I know I just said it. I heard it come out of my mouth. I think Tulane's a better football team than this Nebraska team. I really do. I think this Nebraska team obviously fits. They're, they're not as bad as Western Carolina. That's the worst team Oklahoma's going to face all season long. Even Kansas is better than Western Carolina. But this Nebraska team is going to fit in between that Western Carolina team and the Tulane team that opened up the season. Now, the question is, are they closer to Western Carolina or are they closer to Tulane in terms of the quality of opponent? I think they're dangerous. I, I think there's a danger to overlook this because you've got all the things going on. Remember, this is, this is the game that triggered the departure from the Big 12. This is the game that had the big firestorm involved in it as far as that Oklahoma being upset about it being 11 a.m. kickoff. It's the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. They wanted it to be a massive recruiting weekend, and they didn't get any of that because Fox put it as an 11 a.m. kickoff and uh, Big 12 conference wouldn't go to bat, basically saying, hey, you, you signed the contract. You, you know what's up here. So there are some distractions. There's distractions on the recruiting front. There's distractions with the national media in town. There's distractions with the game of the century. There's distractions with old uh, former players coming in, former coaches being in. There's no way Barry Switzer's not going to be at this game. There's no way guys like, you know, Tony Casillas, Brian Bosworth, you know, guys not necessarily who played in the game of the century, but guys who had historic performances against Nebraska. Keith Jackson. There's going to be a ton of alumni in this weekend. How focused can Oklahoma be? Now, my thought is that they're going to be extremely focused. My, my thought is that they're, they're ready for this moment because there's a lot on the line here. There, there's a lot at stake here for Oklahoma. You kind of got everybody's attention in week one when you had to, you know, kind of hang on to beat Tulane by five points. You didn't really get much attention last week against Western Carolina when you won 76 to nothing. People were like, yeah, well, you should have done that. This is the week everybody's tuning in. This is the week everybody's wanting to see, is this team really who we think they are in the preseason? So Oklahoma shouldn't have an issue focusing, but I think there's going to be distractions here. 
I think one of the things that you you look at the intangibles of this game, you look at the trends. I said Nebraska one and nine on the road as an underdog under Scott Frost. I think turnovers, turnovers play a huge role in this game. You know, Spencer Rattler had the two interceptions in the opener against Tulane. They were pretty good with the ball against Western Carolina. Conversely, Oklahoma's defense has first forced three turnovers each of the two games. Oklahoma, this is kind of a crazy stat. If you didn't see it on our website, um, there's an article there about it, heartland-sports.com. But if you didn't see it, you can listen to it. And I, Oklahoma is, um, you have to go back to 2008 to find the last time Oklahoma's done this defensively, which is record five fumble recovers and back-to-back games. You go all the way back to 2008 before you find Oklahoma's defense doing that. So Oklahoma's defense is is getting the ball. They got five fumble recoveries. They got one interception. And guess what? Nebraska is giving the ball away. Nebraska has seven fumbles on the season. So you got a team, the home team, who's making a habit of recovering fumbles, forcing fumbles and recovering them. And you got the visiting team who's making a habit of giving the ball away seven times in three games. So they're averaging more than two fumbles lost per game. Turnovers is going to be huge here. Nebraska doesn't want to give Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler extra possessions. And Lincoln Riley and his crew, they certainly don't want to give Nebraska hope beyond what's going to already be there. Interesting to note here because Martinez is, is one of the, um, one of the culprits as far as turning the ball over for Nebraska, but he's not doing it through the air. I mean, he's got seven touchdowns on the season, zero interceptions. So the turnovers that are coming to Brass's way are coming by the way of fumble. And then the turnovers that Oklahoma's recovering, they're fumbles. I, I, I just turnovers are going to be really big in this game. So here's some keys for Oklahoma. I, I'm pretty excited. We got Chris Pratt coming in. Uh, Chris Pratt, that'd be pretty cool. We got Chris Plank coming in. Uh, I wonder what Chris Pratt's doing this weekend. Anyway, uh, Chris Plank coming in. Uh, here in just a few minutes to talk Oklahoma, Nebraska with this, uh, we get his take on this, but let me give you a couple of keys offensively, defensively, Rich usually, uh, Rich and I usually do this together. And, um, I'm just going to give you my keys offensively. I'm going to give you the offensive player to watch. We'll go into defense and I'll give you a defensive player to watch. And then boom, we're going to have Chris Plank right after that. So here we go. Offensively. I think Oklahoma has to get out to a fast start and by, by the fast start. I mean, more than this, the first 15 minutes. I think there's enough nostalgia. I think there's enough um, uh, enthusiasm. There's enough excitement here that that's going to that's gonna push Nebraska beyond the first 15 minutes of this game. I think Oklahoma has to start fast, and I, I think that's going to have to carry them all the way through the first half. Oklahoma needs to jump out early, and they need to, they need to be huge here. Um, now, interesting – in favor of Oklahoma, a good stat in favor of Oklahoma is that the Sooners have outscored opponents 51 to nothing in the second quarter this season. 51 to nothing in the second quarter. So if Oklahoma is able to do what they've done the first two weeks of the season in that second quarter and take a comfortable lead into the halftime locker room, then you, then you go back to what I just asked. How much fight does Nebraska have? How much are they bringing with them? How much, how much can they stay in? Are they bought into Scott Frost? That's another question. I mean, what does the team think about Scott Frost? 
Well, if you're down on the road to a top three team in the country by multiple scores at the half, is there enough love there for Scott Frost for them to keep fighting? I, I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I, I don't know. But I do know that you really want to find that out if you're Oklahoma. You really want to test those waters, so to speak. And you, in order to do that, you got to start fast. You got to limit the turnovers. We, we talked about this already, uh, how big I think the turnovers are going to be in this game. And um, it, it, it's all about hope. Th think back to those, those, those head-scratching losses that Oklahoma has suffered at home in recent years. Think, think back to Kansas State. Think back to Iowa State. What happened in those games? Well, go back to Kansas State last year. Spencer Rattler turned the ball over. The Wildcats were down early, but they were given hope by turnovers. You can't do that. You just can't. You, you got you to gotta protect the ball, and, and then you got to take the ball away from the other team. It really is that simple sometimes when you're breaking down football games. I think Oklahoma's offense has to finish. We, we saw, again, we saw this against Western Carolina. We did not see it against Tulane. Six second half points against Tulane. Spencer Rattler didn't even play the second half against Western Carolina. So we know Caleb Williams and company, that they were excited to get on the field last Saturday night. I doubt Caleb Williams comes out and leads this offense in the third quarter this coming Saturday. So with Spencer Rattler in that first unit out there, can they finish can they keep their foot on the gas can they stay mentally in the game can they stay focused can they run between the tackles can they uh, make make the read downfield all that stuff can they do it and then when you talk about an x's and O's standpoint they've got to neutralize nebraska's linebackers well, when you're looking at this Nebraska defense, it's all in that middle level. It, it's kind of crazy, uh, almost uncanny how this game will mirror, as far as schematics and game plans go, this game will mirror that two-lane game. Because Nebraska has got a defense that's centered around the linebackers, and the linebackers for Nebraska are really good. And then they've got an offense that's centered around the quarterback. So you've got a lot here to dissect and, and you've got a lot here that, that runs parallel to what you've already encountered with Tulane, but you got to neutralize those linebackers. You don't want the linebackers making plays. And the way you do that, if you're Oklahoma, the, the way that gets done is by, by running motion plays, by running play action, and then attacking them straight up the middle. And this is where I'm a little bit worried because we saw them with Eric Gray against Tulane. We saw them try to attack up the middle and Eric Gray had very little success going up the middle. Now, Kennedy Brooks, that's a different story. But it seems like it's ride or die with Eric Gray as a starter through two weeks with Oklahoma football. He's going to have to have success up the middle, right up the gut, attacking those linebackers. Because if you can't attack them, then you can't really use play action. But I do think I'm going to stick to my guns here and say what I said about the Tulane game. I think this is a game where Lincoln Riley passes to run. I, I think you're going to see you're going to see motion plays. I think you're going to see them try to hit the seam. Um, you, I, I think this is a run to pass type day for Oklahoma's offense, which brings me to my offensive player of the game, the guy I really want to watch for. And that's Marvin Mims. 
We saw Marvin Mims have a great first half against Tulane. And then like the rest of the offense, they kind of, he kind of disappeared. Really, we saw Marvin Mims have a great first quarter against Tulane. And in, and in eight quarters of football so far this season, we've seen Marvin Mims have one great quarter. I think this becomes the game where Marvin Mims reestablishes himself. I don't think Marvin Mims has gone anywhere. I think Lincoln Riley has, has really encouraged Spencer Rattler to pursue other options to try to get that same type of chemistry with Jaden Hazelwood, you know, with Mike Woods, with, you know, you, you, you name the guy. There's a, there's a whole slew of them out there. Mario Williams has been fantastic. And you got to love the chemistry that, that's developed there between, between the freshman and, and the redshirt sophomore. But the point is, Mario, um, Marvin Mims is the best running. Uh, gosh, I just lost everything there. Marvin Mims is the best wide receiver on this team. And this is the game where he's got to reestablish that. So if you're Oklahoma's offense, you're going to get off to a fast start. You want to protect the football. You want to show that you can finish. You want to neutralize those, those linebackers that Nebraska has. And you want to find Marvin Mims. Defensively, I think it's a lot more simple. I, I think the game plan is a lot more simple. Nebraska uh, is not great up front. They, they're really solid at the center position. But beyond that, they're not. That's been, that's been the crux of their issue. But that, there's a reason why Martinez is the leading rusher and the leading passer for this team. And, and that reason is because he has to scramble. He has to run because his offensive line cannot support him. So if you're if you're um, if you're Oklahoma's defense if if you're if you're Alex Grinch you're preaching to these guys win first down. You start by winning first down. You win first down and everything else goes from there. But you got to win first down. Put them behind the chains. Put them in second, third, and long. Put them in those in those in those situations where they have to pass. You know they're looking to they're, those RPOs. They're really looking to to uh, to pass, and they are more than they are to run. And that all starts by winning first down. And, and Oklahoma has, we, we've talked about this for three weeks now. Oklahoma has the defensive front to do this. I, I don't think there's anybody on Oklahoma's schedule that, from, from game one to game 13, if they go through the, all the way to the Big 12 championship, there's not anybody on Oklahoma's schedule right now that should be able to minimize and take away what this defensive front of Oklahoma is capable of doing. So you got to win first down. And, and then Nick Benito, Jalen Redman, Isaiah Thomas, those guys can really just kind of pin their ears back and go to town. None of that works if you don't win first down. If they're looking at second and six, that's a whole different ball game from second and 11. Five yards make a lot of difference. You also have to contain Martinez. And so this is where I really think those guys up the middle, I think the pressure up the middle is going to be huge because the guys coming from the edge, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, those guys got to keep containment. You can't let Martinez get outside of you. If you get a shot at Martinez, you have to, you can't miss it, You have to get it. So I, I think you're going to see those defensive ends and, and rush linebackers kind of stay a little bit wide and they're going to bring Jalen Redmond, Perry and Winfrey and company right up the middle. Probably going to see some linebacker safety blitz type stuff that comes right up the gut. And um, in an effort to try to keep Martinez in the pocket, because where he becomes dangerous, both rushing and throwing is when he leads the pocket, because when he leads the pocket, he's got way more options than he does right there in the pocket, in the pocket. He's either got to tuck it, take a sack, 
or he's going to try to throw it and force something. And that's where you really get those turnovers. And if you watch film on Martinez, one of the things that you notice is that he does have a tendency to hold the ball too long. I mean, he is the leading rusher on the team, but he really, he's a quarterback. He, he wants to make a name for himself like every other quarterback in America by throwing the ball. And so he has this tendency in the pocket to hold the ball too long. And then that ends up taking that type of, uh, that type of hit that forces the turnover. So I think, again, it's really simple for Oklahoma's defense. Win first down, keep Martinez in the pocket. This should be a good day for Oklahoma's defense. Now that said, they're going to have success. And Nebraska is. Oklahoma's not going to shut Nebraska out. So if you've already got that kind of set as your, as your um, you know, that's kind of your benchmark, I want to shut out. It's not going to happen. This, this won't be 76 to nothing. I, I can tell you that right now. It will not be 76 to nothing. But it can be a comfortable multi-score win for Oklahoma, and that's really the, the best option. I mean, you don't want a five-point win, right, uh, against Tulane. You want this to be three or four touchdowns, and I, I think those become more, possi- more possible when you do these first two things. And that my defensive guy to watch is pretty simple. It's Perry on Winfrey. He makes so much happen. Even if he doesn't get the sack, he, he makes so much happen because he's coming right in your face if you're the quarterback. We saw Michael Pratt suffer from this. We, we saw the kid last week from Western Carolina suffer from this. When Perry on Winfrey comes right up the middle on a bull rush, you're going to spin, and you're naturally going to spin to your dominant side. So you're going to spin. If you're a right-handed guy, you're going to spin right. If you're a left-handed guy, you're going to spin left. And, and then there's going to be someone waiting there. And, and Perry Winfrey is going to have to make this happen, whether he's shutting down the run, whether he's putting pressure and, on, on, on Martinez. It's all going to start in the middle, and it's all going to start in Perry Winfrey. So he's my guy to watch. He, he may end the night only with like two or three tackles. But if there's like six or seven sacks because he got those two or three tackles because of the pressure he's putting up the middle, I'm okay with that. Not everything happens in the box score. And, and Perry and Winfrey is probably not getting the credit he deserves this season on the sacks that he's made happen that he's not on the stat sheet for. All right, Chris Plank coming up. This is your time to, uh, to listen to the man, the myth, the legend. Give us his take on Oklahoma and Nebraska. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Really excited to bring in a special guest to the Sooner Nation podcast right now, Mr. Chris Plank. I say this every time, man, the busiest man in sports. And whether it's, <laughs> whether it's uh, game day, whether it's radio, whether it's television, you're literally everywhere. Well, I think my, my goal whenever I was younger was I wanted to have all these opportunities to do stuff like this. Right. And so now that I'm older and I'm getting all those opportunities it's like, I can't say no, you know, then <laughs> next thing you know, 20 year old Chris will be coming to me like, what are you doing, old man? Go do these shows. So yeah, it's a lot, you know, and, and as we tape this, it's kind of become our busy day early in the week. Um, right. 
Tuesdays are crazy for us. So yeah, it's just, uh, I- I'm, I'm glad I get to end my day talking to you, Matt. Well, that, that makes me feel special. Hey, you <laughs> and I haven't talked, I mean, really since softball season. That's right. And, so a lot's happened with Oklahoma and Big 12 and so forth. Just uh, we're going to talk Oklahoma, Nebraska, but just I'd love to hear just a general thought or two on the move to the SEC. I'm excited about it. You know, um, Matt, I I've got all my paths, right? I know how to because I drive a lot of places for those that maybe don't know. I'm, I'm afraid to fly, so I don't like to fly. OK, at I didn't all. know that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a very, but I, I do, you know, it's not like I'm going to drive to Palm Springs with softball right. uh, or anything of that nature, but I can, I can get through it. But I, I do have a deep-rooted fear of flying. So I drive a lot of places, and, I mean, I drive to Ames, Iowa, for goodness sake. So I have all of my paths down. I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. I, I've got all the places in Manhattan that I like to go to and Ames that I like to go to. Uh, and it's not like I'm a party guy. I just there's little restaurants right, that I like right. to go eat at or hotels when we stay. I know the people there. So from that very selfish perspective, uh, I'm upset about it. Um, <laughs> but then you take all those selfish things out of it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. How can you not be excited? And again, right. let's let's look at it from a diamond sports perspective. Exactly. I mean, you me? Yes. You can me for, for softball and baseball. Right. You don't have the opportunity to. To not have to fight for how good you are you know mm-hmm. it's like hey we just won listen to me we the Sooners just won their third national championship in what six years and there will still be people like ah oh, yeah well you know big 12 is not all that great but and you're like okay well now what are you going to say when they have success and you know for Skip Johnson I'm fired up for the recruiting that can be brought yeah. in from um, uh, from being in the SEC, I, and I think he's a great coach. Back saw him at the game on Saturday, and then I mean, come on, the obvious football side of things, right? Alabama, Georgia, you know, to have regular showdowns with Auburn, uh, and it's kind of wild. You look across college football, and you think of all the people. Auburn's got an incredible mm-hmm. Oklahoma influence on their um, Auburn TV and their big screen side of things because. Is Mac Jacquees, who's a big Sooner fan and, and went to OU, worked at Sooner Vision, and now he runs Auburn's video department. So there's all these little ties and all these people that are just so um, so integral, you know, to big time college sports and to be able to be in that setting, to be able to be in that conference, to be able to be in the SEC. I just think is uh, I'm excited. In case you can't tell, I'm excited about it. I know I've got to fly more now, right. so I got to accept that but I am excited for it. Yeah. I mean, it has its perks flying. I mean, you, you get to leave in the morning and have dinner at your favorite restaurant. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That evening. So, um, but I know then you're, you're also, have... you're also in a tube that's breaking every <laughs> single law of gravity. So that's, yeah. that's where it goes. <laughs> I listen, man, I, I fly so much that I just, I don't even think about it. Anymore. I don't know how you do it. Like you're on what you're like on 20 hour flights, Matt. Right. What do you do? Netflix what would be your advice to me. Like download, what I- download shows on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> hey, um, I know you're not the guy who makes the decisions, but uh, is this going to happen before 2025? You know, there is the, um, there's the official stance, right? Nothing until 2025. And I'm, I'm with it right uh, from, from kind of looking at it. I think there would be common sense that would tell you historically there's not a lot of teams, schools, universities that um, stay as a lame duck. Mm-hmm. If, if that, if that term works no, in a conference yeah, exactly. that they've already decided to move on from it, just that's not reality, but you know, they, yeah, it, I, this, I don't see the, 
I don't see Oklahoma or Texas ever being a part of a 14 team Big 12. Right. So exactly. when they when they talk about bringing in BYU and UCF and Cincinnati and Houston, I, I don't ever see a situation where Oklahoma is going to be playing any of those teams as members right. of the conference. So if that's something that they're going to be doing sooner rather than later, if they're, if they're 2023, if that's the date, we'll see. But uh, Joe Castiglione said this the other day to, to Toby and, you know, really everyone's got to be careful with kind of how it's phrased and how mm-hmm. it's worded. But absolutely. Joe C said, we know the contract. They know the We'll see where it goes. Just, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm really pumped about it. I want to see it happen sooner rather than later, Matt. But the bottom line, more than anything else, is we don't know. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like whenever it first happened, it was the unknown of what's next with the Big 12. Right. Okay, now we know what's next with the Big 12. Now let's see what's next for OU and Texas exactly. as to when they can get there. All right, well, we the, the big game Saturday, Oklahoma and Nebraska, Fox uh, big noon kickoff is going to be there. Chris Plank is going to be there on the sidelines. I'd, I'd love to get uh, your take on this. And so you know how this works. Uh, we're going to ask you five true or false questions. Let's go. We may throw a bonus one in there at the end. And then you tell us, is this true or is this false? And then give us your reasoning behind, okay. uh, behind your answer. So here we go. Uh, first and foremost, now this isn't OU Nebraska, but it, it, it's recent news. Uh, the rumors of Bob Stoops being the next co- head coach at USC will never be more than just that. Only rumors. True. They will only be rumors. Bob Stoops is maybe the happiest man on the planet right now. Um, <laughs> we, In fact, it's funny that as, as we sit here, I just left a show where we had an interview with him. Toby had talked to him earlier today. And Bob Stoops seems to be loving life, Matt. And the grind that is college football is 24 7 365 mm-hmm. it's it's your life so i'm gonna say bob stoops is gonna enjoy retire life um and he should the only way i could see bob stoops coming back is kind of in an urban meyer type situation okay. in other words let's say i'll use the raiders as an example just because i'm a raiders fan let's say john gruden decides that he's stepping away and the raiders have had some success and mark davis says you know bob stoops let's let's try this out i could see him because he's never coached in the Mm -hmm. nfl maybe thinking about doing that but no no, i don't don't think he's coming back to the college game recruiting is is uh is hard recruiting sucks and I, i just don't see him doing that so i would say bob stoops is going to stay on the big noon kick on Fox as long as they'll have him. And who knows? I think he's got the potential if he wants to be an incredible game analyst too. Yeah, I agree. I've enjoyed watching him on, on Fox uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, let's move into uh, to Oklahoma on the field. Uh, true or false, Chris, seeing the defense, really the team move away from mental errors that they committed in week one, seeing them move away from that in week two against uh, Western Carolina, that was far more encouraging than anything we saw in the box score. True. And I'll add to it that what maybe if you were in the state, I always try to make sure because I think um, I'm sure you've got listeners that sit. If you're in that first like 30 rows behind mm-hmm. the benches, you get to see everything I do. Right. And I think everyone saw it that was in that area. There was a different energy, Matt, on that bench. Mm-hmm. There was a different energy. It was it was really kind of led by Spencer Rattler. But more importantly to me. You know, you saw the Isaiah Thomases of the world and the Perion Winfrey's that showed some leadership. So, yeah, what the defense was able to do on Saturday night against an inferior opponent was uh, the most exciting thing. And, you know, I, I saw a stat today 
where they've recovered five fumbles in two games, which is more than they did the entire 2019 and 2020 season. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We actually have a post up about that right now at Heartland Sports. And uh, yeah, in fact, um, to to add to that, you've got to go back to 2008 to find the last time Oklahoma's defense recovered five fumbles in in between back-to-back games. Ooh, wow. That's wild and awesome. Um, but you know, they're getting after the football and the, the term takeaways is used mm-hmm. a lot. Takeaways equal points. Um, I just, I really, I'm really juiced. Juice is a word I've used a lot because my buddy on Saturday mornings, Bobby Carpenter has a saying that if you're juiceless, you're useless. Okay. And, <laughs> uh, I, I think Oklahoma's defense had some juice and that was fun yeah. to see. No, I agree. Uh, spot on, man. All right, here we go. Here, here's the next one. Um, True or false? I'm, I'm going to throw you a softball here, okay? Okay. True or false? Uh, the uh, the Nebraska-Oklahoma game deserved to be in a primetime spot. True. True. Now, listen, I there, there's a lot of things um, going on this weekend, right? What do we have? Alabama and Florida are playing. Mm-hmm. Penn State and Auburn, which I think is a, is a worthy spot of game day. But at the very least, you know, I, Matt, I've – kind of shameless plug – but I put together this week a podcast just calling fans, and, and I'm, I'm finishing up tonight. I'm very excited about it. I hope that it will drop tomorrow. I'll probably only drop till Thursday because I'm a procrastinator. But I literally got on the phone and just talked to Sooner fans for the mm-hmm. last two days and had them tell their stories of what OU and Nebraska meant to them. And it's just – it's amazing to see how much that this rivalry mean, means to people. So, to me, I don't necessarily know – prime time was it but i guess 2 30 because in all yeah. of these people that i okay. talked to and all these people that i talked to including a former player he told me about the uh, how the games were always at 2 30s so yeah. always played at 2 30 yeah. i mean that's just what we do so this rivalry i thought it was an incredible disservice that fox and everyone did listen if you want to build up your your kickoff slot at noon do it with teams in the eastern time zone it is outside of OU yeah. texas it's ridiculous to play games that kick off that early uh, in, in, in the central time zone and especially in the Pacific time zone. So yeah, worthy of a, of a prime time slot. How about a nod to tradition to have it start at two 30, but yeah, I'm with you. It was, um, it, it's, it stinks that they were having to kick this off this early. Okay. Pause and unsolicited here. Uh, 2000 OU Nebraska. Absolutely. My favorite. I, as a kid of the nine, of the eighties, you know, I started, I got introduc- indoctrinated to Oklahoma football in 1985, which was a good season to get into Oklahoma football and uh, grew up, you know, nineties was my formative years, graduated high school in 92. So I suffered through the mid nineties, you know, and then 2000, that game, you know, I I just remember walking out of the stadium that day, just feeling as on the greatest football high I've ever been on in my life in regards to the Sooners. So, um, you know, you want to work that into your podcast. Yeah, no, I like that. And and (laughs) here's, here's one thing that I'll add, you know, Matt, I started in radio in 97. And when I came to Oklahoma, you know, I, I went to Tulsa. I went to mm-hmm. TU. And right. so I was, well, I say I started in Radio 97, but I was in Tulsa from 93, you know, until like six years ago. And it's funny that you bring that up because I, I remember not I'm like Oklahoma's, this was a dominant program. It's like right. you just, you didn't know in the early 90s. And I'll never forget 
you know, every year, I think 97, one year they opened up on the road or, or played TCU. And that mm-hmm. was, everyone's like, oh, we're back. We're, we're back. And they got beat by TCU and everyone was so mad. And then all of a sudden you bring in Bob Stoops and 99 starts to turn that corner, that 2000 game. I don't think I've ever seen a reaction like that on my radio. And, and I was a noob, you know, I was 25 years old doing radio. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and just to just remember the excitement and the energy that surrounded that game and that week was something I'll never forget. It was pretty special. Well, in that whole season, I, mean, I know we're off off the rails here, but no, I, it's fine. you know, I'm sorry. I had never been until the 2000 season. I had never been to an OU Texas game where OU won. And so um, I, you know, wow. I remember walking out of the stadium after that 63 to 14. I, that'll always be in my brain because that's the first time I saw OU beat Texas in person. And I remember walking out of the stadium, I walking out of the cotton bow and saying, to my wife who was with me, you know, you know, she's my game day buddy. And I was like, we're going to win the national championship this year. I mean, that's the first time I called it. And, you know, so you go back, that was definitely special, but 2010, that big 12 championship was pretty, pretty good as well. That's pretty amazing. And to think about falling behind 17, zero in right. that game. Yeah. I've just, I, I, I love everything about this rivalry. Okay. Let's get, let's get back on track. My bad. Sorry. Uh, I, t- no, I took this off. Uh, here we go. True or false. Uh, this game, national spotlight. We already talked about Fox uh, noon, uh, their big kickoff day there. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but anyway, big noon kick. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, this game national spotlight. This is Spencer Rattler's chance to uh, reestablish himself once again, as the Heisman front runner. True, but with a hook. Okay. Because it's also a chance where if he struggles right. to amp up HeartlandSports.com and people <laughs> saying, hey, Caleb Williams should be the starting quarterback. <laughs> um, I Nebraska, Nebraska is not a good football team, right. okay? But Nebraska doesn't suck. So, I mean, I don't know if, if you guys yeah. want to fight me over the delineation of that. But, I, listen, they're not good, but they're not awful, right? They're mm-hmm. not a team. This is – Oklahoma has shown and Nebraska has shown that they can probably beat just about anyone and, and lose to anyone. Right. Yeah. And Oklahoma almost lost his lane. So I'm, I think that there's all, if, if Spencer struggles and this is a one possession game, Matt, you and I know with this roster, the, the cries and the, and the howls for, for Caleb Williams are only going to grow. Mm-hmm. But if he goes out and he dominates, look out. I, just an unsolicited opinion. I think Spencer's going to play really well on Saturday. I really do. I think, I think he got his rough performance out of the way against Tulane. And I, I don't know what, it, what, what led to it. I don't know what it's about, but that was a different dude on Saturday. And I think you're going to see a different dude this Saturday. So yeah, no, no, no. A great chance for him to get back on track. And I think he's going to do it. I'll say true. All right. Uh, great answer. Here we go. Last one in regards to Oklahoma and Nebraska. Um, True or false, Nebraska will not have an answer for Oklahoma's defensive front. True. Um, I, I, I do worry about Oklahoma having an answer for Nebraska's defensive <laughs> front because um, Nebraska's defensive line and their linebackers are pretty good. But, yeah, I think, you know, in, in Perry on Winfrey, what Lincoln Riley said today about him missing a little bit of time, um, you know, they played well in that first game. But you could see that, you know, they, there was a few plays where they weren't themselves. So um, I think this rotation is incredible. Mm -hmm. If you really think about it, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. And I'm not being dramatic just because of the numbers, right. And the guys that you have back due to COVID and, and, and issues like that. So Isaiah Thomas, I could go down the list. You guys know what Isaiah Thomas, you know, I've really liked the way Isaiah co has looked. He's not quite, he's not quite in a hundred percent game shape yet, but I'm a big fan. So, um, Chalk it up 
to me to be in a complete mismatch with OU's defensive line against Nebraska's O-line, but Nebraska's center is legit. Yeah. So at the very least, it might be a little bit more. It's it's the kind of matchup where if you're Perion Winfrey, if you're Isaiah Coe or Joshua Ellison or Jordan Kelly, wow, I just mentioned four defensive tackles at play. How about that? Um, where you got a chance to really put some good stuff on tape mm-hmm. against a really good opponent. You know, and that's going to be a fun matchup with again him against Perry on Winfrey or whoever's there. But you know, a lot of people, Chris, they they see they see Isaiah Thomas getting the sack. They see Jalen Redmond, Nick Benito coming from the edge, but they don't understand really how Perry on Winfrey causes that. Right. You know, just that pressure right up the gut, and the the quarterback's got to go left or right, and usually he goes left or right into the arms of Isaiah Thomas or somebody else who's coming in from that edge. And you know, I just the stat sheet doesn't really show how much money Perry and Winfrey's making this year through two games, just because what he does right there in the middle of that line of scrimmage. And I think this weekend is one of the first weekends, Matt, where you can sit there and say that you feel like he's 100%. So (laughs) if that gives you an indication, he is, he's got two games under his belt. I think he's, I think it's funny. I'm going to put Perry on Winfrey in my spotlight for the radio broadcast this week, because I just, I really think he's going to have a big time game. Okay, so I got a I got a bonus question for you. I kind of hinted this was coming. Um, Let's go. You said earlier you you used the term "we" when talking about Oklahoma softball. Now you're a guy who called every pitch of every game all the way through the championship. So I, yeah. I think I think you get to say "we." I think I think that's okay. acceptable. I'll take think, it. I don't think Patty Gasso would be mad at you over that. I would hope um, not. So here's the bonus: true or false question. The voice of Oklahoma softball. Uh, true or false, the, the Sooners are loaded again for another championship run despite losing the girls Ooh, in the circle. They are so good. They are so good. In fact, it, it's funny because in, in kind of preparation, Matt, because I know how incredible of a job you guys do in covering softball over at Heartland Sports. You know, you think about just this year's roster and the, the mm-hmm. couple of transfers that you've added in, right? Alyssa Brito, we'll see where she plays, what role she's going to have. Uh, Hope Troutwink. Um, Hope Troutwine, excuse me, the new pitcher. You know, here's here's the thing is G. Juarez would even tell you she did not have a good season. G. Juarez had not pitched well until we got to the postseason, right? right? And everything that Patty Gasso and that Jen Rocha did throughout the season was to prepare her for that postseason. So, all right, Nicole May, your time. Jordan Ball, your time. Hope Troutwine, your time. Uh, someone's got to step up because they are going to score so many runs. I mean, if you think about, and, and it, uh, we thought the same thing last year, right? Mm-hmm. Co- coach Gasso, uh, Lauren Chamberlain had the tweet that coach Gasso referred to a lot, which was, you know, a caged animal when they get unleashed when they hit what 16, 13 right. home runs, whatever it was in game one. So I think they're going to be really good. And it's wild because you start thinking about competition. Well, there's competition everywhere, but you have returning starters everywhere, but where, but where right field where Nicole mm-hmm. Mendez played. And then even in that, Nicole didn't start the entire season. So, you know, is Jada Coleman going to go back to center field or does she move to left? Is Riley Boone now your everyday center field? Is Brito going to battle at third or is she an outfielder? Is Grace Green in line to play some more? You know, is Kenzie Hansen your starting catcher or is she back at first? You got mm-hmm. all these battles that are – and Jana Johns, I think she's going to have a fight at third base. But it's healthy competition because they all know how good they are. And I'm telling you what, it's it's September and – 
I, I know we got a whole football season to go, and this is a, a football team that can win a national championship. But I am so excited to see what that first lineup is going to look like for OU softball. I didn't even mention Taylor Snow and Taylor <laughs> Snow's back. They got, they've got everyone back this year at the position players. You just really need someone to step in the circle. And I'll yeah. tell you what, I, you don't need me to overhype Jordan Ball any, but let's just say she is a workout warrior. Mm. And when I hear that about someone, it gets me excited because that's not someone that's just, oh, I, you know, I play softball and that's what I do. No, Jordan Ball wants to be great. So I'm, I'm fired up for OU fans. You should be fired up about this team. They're going to be special in the circle. Uh, they're going to be special on the dirt. They're, I, I can't wait for February to get here. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Um, okay, real fast. Uh, first of all, people listening on on the podcast audio, they're missing the T-shirt. I mean, did the, the T-shirt. Oh, my yeah. what up dog shirt? Yeah, I'm going to have to like do a screenshot of your shirt <laughs> and just like tweet it out just for a, it's, a, a promo. It was a gift from my kids um, because I – I mean, I, I guess they saw it and they thought it was funny. And I'm a big – there's two things that I'm – I'm a big sandals guy and I'm a big T-shirt guy, which thankfully I'm in radio so I can get away with that, even though I do have a little makeup on from TV today. <laughs> from TV. So so any any time I can get uh, – I, I always – you'll either find me in this shirt. I've got an OU softball shirt that I wear all the time, my Dunder Mifflin shirt. Uh, or my Raiders shirt. That's it. I've got like a four shirt rotation and this isn't that rotation. It's my nice. favorite. Nice. Okay. So uh, your TV, your radio, your Twitter, your wherever, tell, tell, uh, tell the listeners where, where they can find you, follow you leading up to game day and on game day. Hey, um, if you don't mind me, I, I would love for everyone to subscribe. If you listen to, to Matt's show, then you're a diehard Sooner fan like I am. So um, just check, check me out on Twitter at Plank Show. Give me a follow uh, or the Sooner Sports Podcast where um, as soon as I get done here, I, I have this I have this flash drive, Matt, that has every OU radio broadcast from 1974 like, wow. to 1989. Wow. And I'm going to sit down, and as I'm putting together this podcast for tonight about Sooner fans telling their stories, I'm going to go through all the old John Brooks play-by-play and listen to some of the great moments of OU Nebraska. And um, I'm going to drop it, hopefully – tomorrow if not then on thursday but go subscribe at soonersports.com slash podcast uh we we produce content all the time man i'm just uh i'm grateful for for you matt uh, i mean I, I think you're the best dude uh, you know well, i love you to death and i always appreciate you having me on it means a lot to me well we it means a lot to us man and again you're you're uh you're just amazing and so thanks so much and uh we'll catch you on that make sure you uh We'll catch you on that that podcast release Wednesday or Thursday. We'll get that yeah. out there and, and get Fingers that. Fingers crossed. If it's not out by if it's not out by Thursday, I'm gonna be stressing like crazy. But we'll get it out. It's gonna be great. Too many great Sooner fans for me not to make sure we get this out. All right, the one and only Chris Plank. Always happy to have Chris Blank join us. One of the best in the business. One of the nicest guys you'll ever be around. Whether you're talking about softball, baseball, football, he's got it all, and uh, can't. Uh, just can't say thanks enough for coming in and sharing his insight. Now we're going to, we're going to go through the big 12 rundown real fast. Kind of give you some thoughts on the big 12 games. Obviously the Oklahoma, Nebraska score predictions coming at the end uh, at 11 o'clock kickoff for the Oklahoma on Fox, but also same time, 11 a.m. kickoff on FS1. You got Virginia tech at West Virginia. And um, I, this is a big, this is a big game for, for Dan Brown. And it's it really because um 
I mean, they're one and one on the season, but they, they played Long Island last week. They, the big game was um, against um, Maryland to start the season. The Mountaineers are a three-point favorite in this game. It's first road game for Virginia Tech, number sixteen. I think if you're Dan Brown, you get a you get a home win over a, a top. 20 teams are their number 15 not 16 you get a home win over a top 15 team then that uh that kind of kind of lets people give you some more grace in terms of losing that first game to maryland so this is this is a, a redemption opportunity for west virginia i i like them i like the mountaineers over under in this game is uh, 50 and a half one of the things that virginia tech has done is tradition they've struggled defensively now they, they got the big one over north carolina to start the season north carolina's offense was discombobulated uh trying to put new weapons around sam howell is this virginia tech defense the real deal west virginia exploded last week for 66 points are they the real deal i i, I mean i just i there's there's a lot of question marks here but a three-point home favorite for the mountaineers i think i'll take that Jared Daigie, 536 yards, four touchdowns on the season. The disappointment for West Virginia's offense has been Letty Brown, only 104 yards on the season, but he does have four touchdowns. I just, I think, I mean, in, in a in a home game, 50 and a half points, I think I would take the over for sure on that. Uh, that that's the best option you have in this game. But I also like West Virginia minus the three. Here's the game I really want to keep an eye on. Uh, Nevada at Kansas State. Nevada is a is a decent football team. You've got uh, you you've got a, a a power running offense that's going to go right in the teeth of this Kansas State defense that really tries to thrive on on stopping the run. The Wolfpack are, are two point favorite over the Wildcats. And the reason why is because Skylar Thompson is out on this game. And, and Skylar Thompson is probably out for a while um, based off of the injury report that came out from last week. This is a huge moment for Kansas State. This is like one of those game defined, a season defining games for the Wildcats. 2-0 on the season, getting ready to start conference play can you go into conference play three and zero? Because if you can, it's greatly going to introduce, uh, it greatly increase your bowl chances, your bowl opportunities. Because Big Twelve play without Skylar Thompson, well, we saw how this ends last last season. We, we saw that this team went into Norman with Skylar Thompson, upset the Sooners. You lose Skylar Thompson, and then they just took a nosedive. Huge game for the Wildcats. I like him here. I like him by about five points, which means I would take Kansas State getting two from Nevada. Over under on this game is 50 and a half. I think that's too many. I would definitely take the over here, but I like the Wildcats to win this game. And uh, that means I'm going to take the Wildcats plus two and then take the under on 50 and a half. We do get Big 12 conference play this weekend. Baylor takes a trip out to Lawrence to play uh, Rock Shock Jayhawk. Possibly the two worst teams in the Big 12, 2.30 kickoff. There's a reason why this game's on ESPN Plus because basically only the fan bases from Baylor and Kansas want to watch this game, have any interest in this game. Baylor is an 18-point favorite. Blows my mind. 
I said this on our podcast, the follow-up from Oklahoma, Western Carolina. Kansas is still a bad football team, but they're better than what they were last year. They're they're playing. They're 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 playing with a new sense of urgency. Uh, you see a little bit of more pride in, in what they're putting on the field. Baylor being an 18-point favorite here just absolutely blows my mind. Also, the over-under on this game being 49 and a half. Have you seen these offenses play each other? Are play this season because they're not great offenses here. Um, so here, here's I, I think this is a pretty simple lock here. I, I would take Kansas getting 18 points from Baylor, and I would take the under here. 49 and a half. These teams have to get to 50, obviously, to beat 49 and a half. I don't see it happening. I, I really don't. I, I see this being in the high 30s, maybe low 40s. I don't think it gets to 50 unless there's a bunch of turnovers involved. So give me Kansas getting 18 and then give me the under on 49 and a half. Florida International at Texas Tech. Um, props to Rich because Rich said Texas Tech would struggle uh, last week with um, with the Lumberjacks of Stephen F. Austin. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. Now I'm I'm really cautious about Florida International coming in. Florida International one and one on the season. Obviously Texas Tech two and zero. Oh. They get the big one over Houston. They struggle, but they still win last week against Stephen F. Austin. Which Texas Tech version are we going to see here? Um, the over under in this game is set at fifty four. I think I, I think that's that's just a little bit low. So I would be leaning towards the over here. Texas Tech getting twenty. I don't see it. I mean, I, I don't know how good Florida International is. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how good or bad they are. And I don't know how good or bad Texas Tech is, which leads me to think, I don't think I want them in 20 points. I, I think I'd probably take them at 10, maybe 14. I don't think I'm going to take them at three touchdowns better than anybody right now uh, after Stephen F. Austin last week. So um, give me Florida International, getting those 20 points. Give me the over uh, on the 54. Rice in Texas. Uh, it's happening. Sark is, Sark is caving in to the pressure. He's already changed his quarterback. Hudson Card's gone to the bench. Oklahoma's very own Casey Thompson, the new starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. They're playing Rice. Uh, Rice is terrible. 0-2 on the season. Texas a 26-point favorite. And, I, man, I think they cover this. I really do. I, I think it's right about – I, I see Texas win this by four touchdowns, to be honest with you. I, I think this could be a 27 uh, to 28 point win for the Longhorns. Everyone's going to be back on uh, on the Sark train. Casey Thompson is going to be the Heisman Trophy front runner for everybody who wears burnt orange. Um, and then something's going to happen a week or so later, and they're going to be all – I mean, it's, it's Texas fans are many depressive because of their team. Uh, but uh, I, I think this is a weekend where uh, 52 and a half is what the over-under is on this game. I think I would take the over there and, and I hate, I hate, um, I hate large point spreads. I really do. But um, I, I, I see Texas covering here. Now there, there's a, there's a danger here that this could be a little bit of a trap because it is 26. So watch what's going to happen here. This is going to probably end up being like a 21, like a three touchdown win instead of a, instead of a four touchdown win. But regardless, I think Texas wins handedly. That 26, I would play that over, but really the best play here, um, in my opinion, is the over-under at 52.5. Take that and run with it. Uh, last week, I said Texas Tech was better be careful. They better watch out because they were going into Arkansas to play an Arkansas team that um, that was just looking. They were hungry. The old, old rivalry in the Southwest Conference. 
this isn't an old rivalry game, but Boise State hosting Oklahoma State. The Oklahoma State better watch out. They've had an offense that has limped through two games. Special teams helped them beat Tulsa last week. Um, defensive stop in late in the fourth quarter helped them beat Missouri State. The first week, now Mike Gundy has to take that offense on the road for the very first time this season, and, and they're struggling. I don't like this for Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State is in the exact same position that Texas was in last week. And I think Boise State wins this game, and they might even win it comfortably. The, the Broncos are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. I, I'll take them to cover. I'll take them all day to cover here um, with, with this offense of, that uh, Mike Gundy has on the road. Um, Oklahoma State is a very bad 2-0 and on this season. The over-under in this game, 57-and-a-half, I think is spot on. I really do. I think 57 and a half is spot on. If I had to, to guess the over under here, I would take the under just barely, but really I think it's spot on that, but Boise state three and a half point favorite Oklahoma state. I'll take that all day, every day on this. Um, Iowa state UNLV. That's going to be the nightcap uh, for the big 12 cyclones trying to get it, get one back after losing at home last week to Iowa first road game of the season uh, for Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. And um, I, I don't think they cover 31 and a half points over, over a bad UNLV team. Oh, and two on the season. Here's the thing. It, uh, Iowa state wins this game. Okay. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Iowa state absolutely wins this game, but you're taking a bad offensive football team on the road. And I, you explain this to me. I, I don't know. I have no answer here for how bad this, how did they get bad all of a sudden? You still have Charlie Kolar. You, you still have Brees Hall. You still have Brock Purdy. How is this offense struggling two weeks in a row now? So are they better than UNLV? Yes. Will they beat UNLV? Yes. Will they cover 31 and a half points? I don't think so. I, I don't think, I, I really don't. I, I don't think Iowa State scores 32 points in this game. I really don't. I um, maybe and if they do, I, I mean, are they gonna are they gonna shut out the running rebels? They're not the running rebels, but that's old basketball pun. But are they shutting out UNLV? I just, I mean, this game reads trap all over it. Fifty two points. You look at it; it's a low over under. They're expecting a low scoring game. I I think it can get in the neighborhood of like um. I mean, I made a joke about Iowa State scoring thirty two points, but I think they could. This could be like a 35 to 21 type game, which would cover that 52. I just, I don't think, I just don't think they, they cover 30, 31 and a half points. So that brings us up to Oklahoma, Nebraska. It's, it's prediction time. I've got the Sooners winning this game. I, I, um, I think the over under is, is set about right at 62 points. Oklahoma is a 22 point favorite. And I think they cover this. I, I hate picking Oklahoma to cover big spreads because it usually leads me to disappointment. But keep in mind, this is we didn't get to pick a point spread last week because they were playing, you know, FCS school. But this this week, I, I did I didn't pick Oklahoma to cover the 31 points um, against Tulane. 22. I think they cover this against Nebraska. I've got a final score of 44 to 20. Oklahoma win this game 44 to 20. And uh, clearly that covers both the over under and it covers the, uh, the 22 point spread. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I, I know it's it, podcasting by yourself is hard. I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's hard. Big, big thanks to Chris Plank for joining us. Again, you can follow him at Plank show on Twitter. 
they do some incredible stuff leading up to game day. You can look at that, that podcast he was talking about. Uh, he's going to tweet that out through his uh, Twitter handle at Plank Show. Um, obviously, you can follow us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You got questions on true or false. You got your own opinions on true or false. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can find us on their internet, heartland-sports.com. And you can subscribe to the Sooner Nation podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your football. Boomer Sooner, everybody.